Welcome back, everyone. Episode 31 of the Ethi Awards podcast, where we go through the best of the worst of legal ethics. We got four new nominees this week. Our first nominee is the movie Riding in Cars with Boys, and it's nominated in the category of worst legal strategy. Let's listen to the clip. How am I going to tell my parents about this? I can't even talk to them about the weather. How am I supposed to tell them that I committed a mortal sin? A mortal sin! Okay, okay. I know, I know, I understand. Okay, calm down. We'll practice. Pretend that I'm your parents. Okay, you'll just say what you're going to say. You'll get through it. Okay, just tell it to me like you would tell it to them. Okay. Mom. Pop. Yeah? I don't know how to tell you this. What? I'm pregnant. My daughter's a tramp. My daughter's a tramp. My daughter's a tramp! You're 15 years old. How can you do this to me? You make me sick to my stomach. Why don't you just take my gun? Take my gun and shoot me in the head with the tramp. I wish that you were never born. Okay, go. You can do it. Maybe you should tell Ray first. Now, in fairness, I've never seen this movie. I don't think I will either. Not anytime soon. I'm not sure I can handle teen pregnancy and a pandemic at the same time. That's a lot of of stress and angst. But I chose this movie because of the title, Riding in Cars with Boys. And here we have a Vermont lawyer who was suspended for nine months, at least, uh, for zooming in cars with a disciplinary committee. And obviously I'll have to explain. Last April, when social distancing first started, this Vermont lawyer was not a fan. In fact, she went to a store that had a social distancing sign and went full Karen. She started screaming, tried to knock the sign down, and of course she asked to speak to the manager. Sadly, the store owner wasn't available at the time. He's probably fighting, fist fighting, you know, another irate customer. And so our Karen made sure to point a gun at the store employee before leaving. Now, for those of you in the South, please note that pointing a gun at someone is a crime, at least in the North, and Vermont's about as North as you get. And so sure enough, when the police finally catch up with her, she's arrested and charged with reckless endangerment. And when the state bar finds out about her arrest, they call her in because she's got some explaining to do. Now here's where the zooming in cars comes into play. They have a virtual hearing, and this lawyer decides to show up, so to speak, or participate in the hearing from the front seat of her car. And out of courtesy, she wears a mask and refuses to take it off, even when they assure and they reassure that she can't infect anyone on the committee over the internet, which actually wasn't that unreasonable uh, since she really wasn't doing any talking anyway. Because whenever she was asked a question, she pled the fifth. And I mean, she pled it like Dave Chappelle. Now, let's be clear. A lawyer, heck, anyone, has a right to plead the fifth to avoid self-incrimination. So it's perfectly understandable, not helpful, but understandable, if she pled the fifth when asked if she ordered the code red. Right? Did you point the gun, etc.? 
but she was pleading the fifth to every question they asked, and I mean it. She declined to answer whether she had had a discussion with disciplinary counsel on the phone on June 10th, uh, whether she had uh, received an email from the disciplinary counsel, uh, whether she had logged on to the video conference as scheduled. <laughs> now, no answer to any of these questions would have subjected her to criminal charges. She was just being difficult. Of course, this is why she's been nominated for Worst Legal Strategy. It always works better if the people judging you like you, or at least they don't think you're being an a-hole. And remember, she's being questioned here for an act that involved, you know, some snot-nosed kid works in a grocery store. And she's talking to fellow lawyers. Heck, if she plays her cards right, she might have gotten them to go down to the store and pull their own guns on the kid. Right, lawyer <laughs> solidarity. But instead, she decided to be the Lone Ranger. Literally. And then be the opposite of Kimo Sabi. Because nobody likes Kimo son of a blah, blah, blah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. So here's how it worked out for Karen. Uh, the disciplinary committee decided that since she wasn't going to cooperate, they would suspend her for the next nine months. And maybe by next summer, she'll be in the mood to talk about it. And believe it or not, she got off light. I've seen lawyers disbarred for not cooperating with bar investigations because the worst possible strategy when dealing with a self-regulatory body is to be yourself, especially if you're an a-hole. Hey, huh? How are you? You scared me. How you doing? Do I know you? I, I'm Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Okay. I, I thought you didn't notice me. Notice? Yeah, I noticed. Cutest girl in the whole freshman class. This is my friend, Laura. Hi, Laura. How you doing? We're sophomores now. Nah, gonna be sophomores. Yeah. You're not still in school, are you? Oh, no. I'm out in the hard, cruel world now. Yeah, poor you. Yeah, that's right. You won't laugh so much when it happens to you. But, Connie, how about something to eat? I guess so. Sure. Would you like that? Yeah. Okay. That was a clip from the movie Smooth Talk, which from what I can tell seems to be even more depressing than riding in cars with boys. But once again, I need the title to nominate this lawyer for an award that doesn't get a lot of hoopla in, in our Ethy Awards program. Uh, it's the Comeback Kid Award. This award is like best sound mixing in the Oscars. You're never going to see this person on the live broadcast because they got their award like 7 o'clock in the morning while the chairs are being set up. And this award is similar. It's given to lawyers who successfully make their own case for reinstatement. Thus, they become the comeback kid. And coming off the heels of our last nominee, it's the perfect contrast to demonstrate the right way to handle when you're dealing with the professional police, so to speak. Now, in this case, we have a former Pennsylvania DA who made Nancy Grace seem like a slacker. Uh, this DA was in it to win it, and she didn't care how she won it. 
So as a result, she's regularly engaging in ex parte communications with local judges, calling in favors, basically shattering every barrier of objectivity. Uh, she went so far at one point to try to set up her own sting operation. She set up a fictitious Facebook page for people engaged in some illicit activity. I believe, I think it was, uh, you know, people who were into bath salts, that type of thing. And then when people would join the group, she tricked them into revealing incriminating information about themselves so she could have the police go out and arrest them. Now, interestingly, while the police can do this all the time and do, lawyers are not supposed to be deceptive. And as a result, she's brought up on board charges for the ex parte communications, for the being deceptive, and she's suspended for one year and a day. Now, the day part seems ridiculous. Like, well, if you didn't learn in a year, how's an extra day going to help you? And the reason that that punishment happens, and it's, it's common, is because many bar associations have rules that say if you're suspended for more than a year, then you don't just get automatically reinstated. You have to apply for reinstatement. We want to make sure that you've actually learned something here. And so a year and a day means more than one year, and therefore this lawyer has to apply for reinstatement. And she was able to do that successfully. She has now been reinstated, can practice law again. And she, this is a classic case of how she did everything right. I'm going to go through sort of the lessons, the things you need to do if you ever get in trouble. And by the way, this doesn't just apply to lawyers. Every professional situation, any situation at work, you're on probation. Here are the things you need to do. By the way, not just work, home. Uh, if you get on marital probation, and please, I, I just got out of seven days of marital jail, all right? It, it happens. Here are the things you need to do. One, and it should be obvious, should go without saying, um, but the first thing you have to do is stop doing the stupid thing you did to get in trouble in the first place. And to not add any more stupid stuff in the meantime. Now, this seems obvious, but I got to tell you, lawyers very often make matters worse by committing additional violations while on suspension. The most common violation is, you guessed it, practicing law while on suspension. Right? That's like driving with a suspended license. That's never going to work out well. You can understand why the lawyers do this, right? Because they need the money. But it doesn't matter because you're just going to add extra time on the back end. You're going to lose more money in the long run, right? You need to go get a, a non-legal job, sell crack, right? Do something. But if you practice law while on suspension, never going to be good. So this lawyer went and got a non-legal job and did that. The second thing this lawyer did was own her misconduct. She didn't come into the reinstatement hearing saying, well, what had happened was, see, it really wasn't my fault because my secretary, nope. She said, committee, thank you for suspending me. You did the right thing because while I don't remember inhaling, I must have been on crack to pull this kind of BS. I'm ashamed of myself. Hell, my mama's ashamed of me. Even my dog doesn't look at me right. That's why for the last year, I've been eating my meals out of his bowl. And if you think I'm kidding, I'm exaggerating like 6%. Here are the actual words she used verbatim. As the public prosecutor in charge of enforcing the law, me joking around with a judge or asking a judge to move a hearing, you know, I have the ability to enforce the law. I should be upholding it, not doing things that raise questions about, you know, the ethics of my office. I do think that the things that I have done absolutely were an abuse of power the position I was given. I impaired the entire system. The confidence in the system, so, so 
I now understand the impact of what I did to the profession and also that position. So, so I get it now. Later, she just goes right out into it. She says, I mean, I don't even know if there was enough words to cover it. But some of the words that come to mind are humiliated, devastated, and shamed, very regretful. Mm, that's smooth talk, people. Now, the third key, which she did very well as well, is to promise you won't do that no more. Because they will ask you just that. And the committee said, hey, how do we know you won't do this anymore? And here's what she said. The word that comes to mind is hypervigilant. Never run afoul of the rules again. Not be walking any lines or do anything questionable. Being the attorney that the profession needs me to be and the attorney that I've been in my life before a certain time period to get back to that. Hope I can be a better attorney and a better person because of the things I've done and as a consequence of the things that happened to me. That's good contrition, y'all. I, I love this woman. I don't even know if she's telling the truth. Don't know if she's cute. Don't care. All right. That, that is good talking. Now, understand that's what every smart person says to disparate hearing. And they understand that. And as a result, they don't always believe you. And so the fourth key, and this attorney did it perfectly, was you got to bring backup with you in the form of character witnesses. The thought is, if the Pope says you're okay, then, you know, you should be able to, everyone else should be able to go with that. Now, in this case, the lawyer brought along four people. One, the mother of one of the murder victims from her time as a DA. And so this woman gushed about how much the lawyer helped her during that very difficult period of her life. The lawyer also brought her current boss to testify on behalf about what a good employee she was during the suspension, how she never so much as took an extra sugar packet right out of the break room. See how much better she is now? Our third witness was a former colleague who assured the committee that Sister Girl was one heck of a lawyer. Right? She had the skills with a Z, right? skills. And the fourth and final character witness was a local professor, college professor, whom the lawyer was at the point at that point assisting on a research project and the project dealt with poverty so once again this is a smooth talk these four witnesses testified that this lawyer was compassionate conscientious competent and even concerned about the poor that's really the four c's of reinstatement right there the only remaining c would have been crying and i'm guessing she managed to squeeze out a tear or two during the hearing in any event this is how you handle getting reinstated. All right, well done, my sister, well done. My hair, it's gone. And wh what is this? What have you done to my Mom, ear? Mom, it's an earring. Take it out, take it out right now. No, it looks cool. Don't start with me. And those clothes are going back first thing tomorrow. Why, everyone likes them, you look great. I look like Stevie Nicks. Who's he? And what are you doing with this? I'm eating. You cannot eat fast food. Why not? Because it will go down your throat and drop instantly to my thighs. Oh, come on. Watch the road. Oh, this food may make you blow up like a balloon, but it will do nothing whatsoever to me. Oh, Mom. Oh, oh God, this is good. Mom, that's not fair. My first French fry in eight years. I can hear the hallelujah chorus. That was a clip from the 2003 remake of the movie Freaky Friday, starring Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan. 
As you probably recall, in this movie, a mother and daughter switch bodies, all right, resulting in hilarious hijinks. Well, in this case, we have a lawyer and a client who switch roles, resulting in the worst love scene. Now, as we go over almost every week, lawyers are not allowed to seduce their vulnerable clients. And perhaps no clients are more vulnerable than those who are going through divorces. And not surprisingly, in most cases, the offending lawyer is a man preying on the wife. In fact, in our 30 episodes, I don't think we've had one case of a woman attorney taking advantage of a husband client. Well, until now, and this story is a doozy. In September of 2019, a man approaches this lawyer and says, I want to divorce my horrible wife. Now, I don't know anything about this man, and trust me, I tried to do my own research. All right, but the Ohio disciplinary folks were careful not to reveal his identity, and, and you'll understand why in a minute. But I do know who the lawyer is, and as a result, I know this about the client. He was rich! And I know this because he could afford this lawyer who's a partner in a mega firm. And no, I'm not going to name the firm, but I know they charge a lot per hour because they're a client of mine. And they certainly pay me a lot per hour, so they must be getting the money from somewhere. I'm also going to guess that the client was handsome. At least I know this that his lawyer thought he was handsome. And the disciplinary folks know that too because they have the text messages between the two of them. After going through quite a few texts in which they discussed, you know, purely personal matters, had nothing to do with the case. Now, for purposes of reading this, so I don't have to keep saying he said, she said, I'm going to try to do her voice and his voice. They're going to be ridiculous. I don't do voices. But anyway, she starts the conversation. I hope I get to see you Friday night. I want to see your face when you see my costume. <laughs> Lol. Hopefully I'll get to. Are you guys busy today? Not yet. Getting ready to look at a job. I'm showering if you want to FaceTime me. So you can tell uh, they're getting very comfortable with one another. This is like three weeks into the engagement. Pretty soon they decide to have a dinner together. And you can imagine they get together for dinner, drinks. Uh, then they have grown folks dessert, if you know what I mean. And over the next two days, the lawyer is leaving these texts for the client. You seem to be able to make love to me like we've been together for a long time. You seem to know how to be caring and sensitive. Just keep doing that. She goes on. I do want you, and I do want to see where it goes. I think I have said that, and my actions support what I'm saying. I want to date just you. Yes, I like you. Yes, I like being with and around you. Yes, you should make time for us. And yes, I want to also. Yes, you should stop refusing to shower with me when I ask. I love that. Like, love it. Now, at this point, I'm going to take a little smoke break. I suggest you shut the machine off, take a little smoke break, and me back. I don't, I, don't, if you, I don't care if you smoke or not. I don't smoke. We're going to learn to smoke now. All right, we're back. <laughs> In any event, sadly, she never gets an answer, at least to that last question. Why? Because the very next day after they had done their thing, uh, the client went home to see his soon-to-be ex-wife, and they get into a physical altercation. She leaves the house and goes to report it to the police. And when they arrive, they find the husband dead by suicide. Now, I tell you this repeatedly, but I'm going to say it again. Rules is rules. 
And do you now see why it's so important to just follow the rules? And no, I'm not saying that a lawyer caused their client to kill himself or anything like that. There's obviously some complicated stuff going on. But I am saying that the lawyer got herself way too involved in a situation that turned out poorly for everyone. The client, the wife, herself, and even her firm. Particularly the firm. Because they've been fielding calls all week from the legal press asking questions like, so is that why you charge $1,000 an hour? And how much are your fees without the sex? Now, right now, we're just at the complaint stage. And normally, this lawyer wouldn't be in that much trouble for sleeping with a client. Let's face it, right, double standards are real. And even as someone who preaches about this every week, when I first heard, read the story, I didn't think much about it. In fact, I Googled her, and after seeing her picture, I thought, that lucky client. After all, right, if you got to get screwed by your wife's lawyer in your divorce, you might as well get screwed by your lawyer too. Now, let's be clear. I'd have totally the opposite reaction if the client was a woman and the lawyer was a man. I'd be thinking, you predator, how dare you take advantage of that vulnerable woman? That's a tennis pro's job. And pray for me if you want to, but I think the Ohio folks would likely feel the same way, except for the whole somebody is now dead thing. That little wrinkle makes it hard to just shrug it off as, ah, lawyers will be lawyers. And as a general rule, if someone dies in connection with your ethical violation, you got to spend some time driving Uber. Uh, that might be in the Bible. It's certainly in the bar rules somewhere. Uh, just don't quote me on it. Brother, it is time for the mortals to pay. My child waits to do your will. Release the Kraken! That's right. All right, release the Kraken. That famous scene is not only from the movie Clash of the Titans, but it's also from the efforts of Trump's lawyers to stop the steal. In a now famous interview on Fox Business, Sidney Powell, one of Trump's attorneys, told everyone that she would release the Kraken. I'm going to release the Kraken. And then she and, and Giuliani and others did. About a dozen lawyers filed a number of Kraken, well, we probably should crack-headed lawsuits alleging voter fraud. Now, they were all eventually tossed out, and now it seems like some of the bars are going to look to release their own Krakens against Powell and them. Now, just last week, a federal judge in Michigan sanctioned the lawyers, ordered them to pay the other side's attorney's fees, and said, I'm telling your mama. Or, in bar parlance, I'm reporting you to a respective state bars. Now, why? Interestingly enough, it's not unethical to be wrong. Right, is it? If you lose in a lawsuit, that's not an ethical violation. Now, there is a very specific rule, Rule 3.1, that says a lawyer shall not file a meritless claim. But it's knowingly file that claim because you don't always know the facts. And most of the time, lawyers get their information, all the information about the facts of the case, from the client. The client comes in and says, say, Joey punched me in the mouth and knocked out all of my teeth at Chili's last night. Now, if the client wants to sue jo Joey, what's the lawyer supposed to do? Hook up the client to a lie detector? I don't know about you, but my lie detector machine is in the shop. It's, it's always on the fritz. So in most cases, the lawyer would just go with it. They'll submit a sworn affidavit from the client reading, my teeth were thocked out by Thoey. Now, unless the lawyer has known the client for a long time and the client never had any teeth or the town they live in 
had a good sense to outlaw chilies years ago, or Joey has no arms. In other words, if the lawyer has information or ready access to information, though the client is full of it, then the lawyer is supposed to say, the way, Dothy. The federal judge in this case cited numerous instances of claims made by the plaintiffs that the lawyers should have known were full of it. So for instance, one of the affidavits was filed on behalf of a person named Spider. <laughs> well, that's what they called him here. He was said to be a former U.S. military intelligence expert with the 305th military intelligence. Uh, but the person who signed the affidavit never completed the entry-level training course of the battalion and was not an intelligence analyst. And you would think that if someone came to you and introduced themselves as Spider, you might want to ask for some ID, uh, do a Google search. In another affidavit, it made wildly inaccurate uh, assertions about the vote count. For instance, uh, the affidavit asserted 139% voter turnout in Detroit. That would be a problem. Um, I'm not a, an expert here. I'm not even really good at math, but I know 139% is too many, uh, for too much voter turnout. Uh, as it turned out, the official voter turnout was only 50.88% in Detroit. Uh, by the way, Detroit, y'all got to do better. All right, we had a big election. That was important. You, you need to get up to at least 60, 70. Come on. Come on, my people, black people, come on. You can do better than that, all right? You, 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 come on. But anyway, any of these numbers were easy to verify on Google, all right? Now, these crackheaded, I'm sorry, Kraken allegations were so ridiculous that when the lawyers were sued by the voting machine company uh, Dominion, they were sued for defamation. And Powell, her first defense was, come on. Nobody took me seriously about these allegations. Everybody knew I was full of it. Come on, you've seen me. <laughs> well, in court, you're not supposed to be full of it. Maybe half for a quarter tank, but you are not supposed to be topped off with BS. That stinks up the entire judicial system. Now, while we wait for these individual lawyers to learn their fates from the various jurisdictions, here's a lesson that you and I can learn right now. Just because your employer says it, it doesn't make it true. And it certainly doesn't mean that you can rely upon their word alone because the customer's always right. And I know this because I'm often the customer and I'm almost never right. But I am right about this. Just following orders is not an excuse. My boss told me. <laughs> that doesn't even work in the military during a time of war. So you know it's not going to work, be a valid excuse for you during peacetime if you're, say, an accountant. Check the numbers again, boo-boo. And more importantly, Check back with me next week for another episode of the Ethi Awards. And finally, if you're a lawyer and you need your CLE, don't hesitate to get it from Mesa CLE. This is your comedic legal education, but it still counts as CLE. Mesa, M-E-S-A, CLE.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, please feel free to go to Patreon.com. Either look us up at Mesa CLE or the Ethi Awards, and we thank you so much. See you next time.